0: And you're listening to Coding Blocks. Hey, guess what? It's episode 185. <laughs> subscribe. I gotta keep them. Uh, I gotta keep you guys on your toes, so you know. Woo! Uh, yeah, <laughs> think I had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You like that? We come in like whoosh, uh, with some fire, some gusto. So <laughs> subscribe to us on you know iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your app, your podcast, or your apps. Uh, but mostly your podcast in an app. And I hope we're there. And uh, if not, you can complain to Jay Z about it on Slack. Um, you can reach him at Alan. And I think I got this right. Wait, I might cross signals. It'll get there. Uh, I'm pretty sure he threw himself <laughs> off, too. All right. So <laughs> you,
1: you can visit us at codingblocks.net where you can find all our show notes, which are amazing examples, discussions, and more. And you can send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments
2: at codingblocks.net. And we got Twitter at codingblocks. And we got a website, www.codingblocks.net. And we got a bunch of social dillies at the top of the page. And with that, I'm Chizak. I'm Alan Underwood.
1: And I'm Michael Outlaw.
0: <laughs> Wait, is that what hey. I sound like to you guys?
1: No, I can't. I, I'm terrible <laughs> at voices. So I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I thought about it as soon as I did. I was like, oh, man, I might get a harsh reality here that I don't want. I, Oh, am I am I strong enough to take this? Like, whoo, buddy, here it comes. <laughs>
1: You say you're nasally. I don't even know how to do that. I'm (laughs) Michael outlaw. I don't know. Oh God, it's (laughs) worse. Why did I
0: say it? I should have stopped while I was ahead.
1: No, it's all good. I can't, I cannot
0: do voices. I can barely do my voice. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by retool. Stop wrestling with UI libraries, hacking together data sources and figuring out access controls. And instead start shipping apps that move your business forward. And shortcut. You shouldn't have to project manage your project management. All right. So we're picking
1: back up with the site reliability engineering. I think Jay-Z should say that from now on. Um, And we're doing (laughs) the monitoring distributed systems this go around. And I actually went and found the link in the free version of the book online if you want to follow along. So that'll be up there in the show notes.
2: Oh, good idea. I didn't realize you could do that.
1: Right? Yeah. So um, it was an epiphany that happened this evening. You know, we're six chapters in. Why wouldn't that happen now? So, so huh.
0: a link yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. like that you're just brushing your teeth and you're like, what if we put a link on the webpage? Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Uh but before before we dive into that juiciness. We, we like to go over some news and reviews and all that kind of stuff. And as always, I think we have we have Outlaw here, or Alan, here to, to read off these reviews. Thank you for
0: recognizing yeah, I'm me. I'm so confused. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So from Audible, we have Just Bree. And from iTunes, we have um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 6, 7, 7, 8, 8, 8, 8. Nine 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 zero 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 zero, and then um i'm thinking this one would be like manic or maybe like either that or they're from north carolina so it'd be man and c one of those two or just man c maybe um and then any one of those is good and then and then my favorite uh good beer hunter that's very nice it's always good to be a good beer hunter i believe yeah i was i was assuming that was supposed to be like a play on like the movie uh you know um Goodwill hunting, but you know, good beer yeah, hunter, possibly. I could be wrong.
1: Hey, hey, and to be clear, Sweetwater 420 is not one of those good beers. Oh, wow. We, yeah, we that's can an IPA admit it is an IPA. Yeah, I'm not a fan. So we can all argue about that if we'd like later. So, all
2: right. If you like IPAs, you know, you're you like nasty
0: stuff. What's so <laughs> to argue about? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a beer connoisseur. So I guess like I, you know, because I, I like Guinness and that's where I draw the line. And I'm like, there's no sense, you know, bothering with anything else. I'm just, I'm done with that journey that is done. Oh, that's no fun. You got to try them all. Is that, is that, see, but yeah, if you're a connoisseur, then you would say that.
1: I wouldn't say I'm a connoisseur. I just know what doesn't taste good and Sweetwater 420 is on that list.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, that's an Atlanta, you know, beer. It It is. It's a shame that it's so bad.
0: Yeah, it really is. I don't know. I, it's, I've had a, I've had some pretty rewarding sweet waters after like getting off the mountain bike trail, you know, and it's, I would imagine anything tastes good after well, that. I right? wasn't like going to the- go there with it, but <laughs> okay. I see what you did. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> All
2: right. Well, Hey, I got a bunch of news this time. Uh, oh. so, uh, I'm sorry. I have mentioned several times, many times, uh, actual SR, it wasn't actual, SRE at Google. Um, Probably during while this book was being written, or, or at least uh, not long after, but had really great uh, feedback uh, after the last couple of so episodes. Last episode was no different, and this time he actually went and wrote a full length blog post on it. it was really great and went over a lot of things. Um, kind of he emphasized some parts, he challenged some parts, he had some additional things to kind of add. It was just a really great post, and so you should go uh, go follow, check that link out and read it. It was really good. Uh, also, had some really great recommendations, um, just on kind of, uh, posts. There were a couple things that kind of happened, you know, I guess earlier this year in the last couple months, recent history. Uh, the Slack outage from January 4th, um, and it had a really great post boredom online. So you can read about, uh, what happened, how they figured it out, what they did to prevent it. Um, just really interesting. And also another one for Alassian, you know, that they had that big outage in April and they ended up actually losing data for customers and what they did to find that, fix that. And uh, how they you know tried to recover the data and put Humpty back together again. Uh, Pete, so we'll quick, have a couple links to that
1: before you go past that. Uh, that one that, that Merley had shared on the on the Atlassian one. That was such a good read, and I actually really, even though as a customer of that company, you would be really upset that you lost data. Their approach and their openness and their frankness about how they do things was so refreshing. To see from a technology company, one that that companies, you know, kind of lean on for, for a lot of their operational things. So that, that was also a
2: very, very good read. Yep. I got one more for you. Um, so we've mentioned, uh, Simon Barker on the show several times. Also, we've mentioned Brandon Lyons, uh, several times on the show. And, uh, Simon's got a, a podcast, which should be mentioned, uh, all the code. And he had, uh, Brandon on as a guest recently in a really good episode. So I listened to that kind of about, uh, Brandon's, uh, journey you now he's working at Microsoft and they covered a lot of ground. So it's just some really cool stuff. Um, uh, and Brandon's got an interesting history that, uh, and Simon's a great interview, So it's just a really good, great show, uh, overall, even if you don't know uh, those people, but if you're in the Slack, uh, they're both kicking around, so you should check it out. And then did I put this note in? No, no, I, I did okay. because it's funny.
1: I don't, it's not real. Is it outlaw? I don't think it was the it is. Costco. It is real. It is. Yep.
0: Oh, yep. okay. Why would you think that it isn't, this is something about Costco that's is, is near and dear to your heart. Why would you assume that it wasn't real? It's so amazing. So
1: for my fellow Costcoers out there, I know micro G I believe catch. Um, I believe there's several other people, right. That, that we constantly are talking about our love of Costco. Well, there's a link here in the show notes. That's amazing. Costco is selling a Kirkland signature t-shirt that actually has awesome. the word Kirkland signature on it. And it's 1299. And outlaws like, man, there's no way you'd wear that. And I'm like, I totally rock that shirt. Like yeah, I, would, yeah. I would wear that everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that that might be a close second to my coding block shirt. So <laughs> so yeah, man. Um, it was it was kind of funny. I've not seen this shirt, nor maybe I buy it. I mean, for thirteen bucks, why not? Um, it's a Supima t. Supima, I don't know. Am I saying that right? I guess. But yeah, it, that's pretty awesome.
0: <laughs> that is that is crazy. Uh, that's a whole other level of Costco fandom. If you buy that shirt when you know you know yeah <laughs> yep. i guess i guess so. that's what it is you know it was actually kind of interesting because there were people that were commenting on the the uh the cake discussion right and apparently yeah, apparently yeah there was you know the 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 popular vote was people talking about the costco cake over the Publix cake i you know and that's what, oh man i forgot like that it's should be legit, a future, that should be a future tip of the week right there. like or not tip of the week, but survey. I, re- I really think, because, come on, a Costco cake over a Publix cake? Come on. You just don't know, man. I'm telling you. you I don't mean, there's, there's the quality of the Publix cake, and then there's the quantity of the Costco cake. No, no. No, no. It's the quality <laughs> in, yeah, it's in mass game. quantity. <laughs> yeah. yep. I'm just trying to trigger you. That's what I'm trying to do here. I'm like... <laughs> I'm going to say the right the right combination of words about Costco, and Alan's going to have to leave to go take his medication because he's going to be twitching over there in the, uh, on camera.
1: We're, we're actually rebranding the show to Costco Blocks. <laughs> um, but hey, in all honesty, last thing on Costco, if you've never had their chocolate chip cookies, like they don't look special. But if you take a bite of one, like, it's dangerous. <laughs> you really want to eat all of them. It, that Man, I just love that place.
2: Yeah, man. Uh, have you ever had their Trace uh, Leches cake? Oh, my God, dude. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> well, my wife and I do the same where we say, Uno dos Trace Leches. And that's like, you know, you shout that as loud as you can in the house. And it like, lets everyone know it's time for cake.
1: Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: so
0: good. Okay, well, I guess. What are we talking about? I'm So, uh, I guess in this episode, we're going to dive into all things related to Costco and like all the good deals that are going on and uh, good tips, you know, when you go to Costco, like what aisles you should, you know, uh, pay more attention to. Because I mean, let's let's admit it, you're not going to say like which aisles you should avoid because that's just, that's crazy. talk. go down all of them. It's it's an hour
1: and a half thing. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's too long. No, no, man. That's legit. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's get it back on the tracks here. So um, this first section that we're talking about here in monitoring distributed systems is there There were a couple of things that they called out is there are the issues that you should send a page on, send an alert on that actually interrupts a person. And I don't know why, but I could not type in the word human in the notes, like they want to say everything is for a human. Like if you're interrupting a human and I'm like, man, it's a person. Get This isn't Mars. <laughs> this is a person. It was driving me crazy. Well, why can't was- a person be a human? I don't know, man. Like it's, it was literally like one of those things. Like I would twitch every time I'd see them refer to it as a human. Like what else was it gonna be? Did it interrupt your cat and your cat had to go do something? No, it was a person. Anyways, all right, I'm done. <laughs> uh, no, hold on. wait,
0: no, we are not <laughs> done with this topic. Because wouldn't wouldn't everything you just say said apply to person as well?
2: No, cats are people.
0: What oh, are they are okay? I I must have missed that one. What? Yeah, you I mean, think if, they you, are? if
2: you have, yeah, if you have a cat, or at least if you have more than one cat, you you know they're persons.
0: <laughs> you know, my my son was telling me that there was a study about like where cats do recognize that you know name. their name, but they just choose to ignore you. God, yep. <laughs> that's why I don't have cats. Man. Uh, yeah.
1: All right, so. There's that, the ones that should actually send out an alert and, and you know, take somebody off task, whatever they're doing. And then there's the type of issues that you should not send a page for, and you shouldn't even, you should know how to deal with them, right? Like the, the applications maybe do something, but they should not interrupt the regular flow of the day. And those were two big things coming into this.
0: So the one thing, though, that was like <clears throat> going on in the back of my mind, though, right? Was wasn't there one of the previous chapters though where they were saying that like the the anything that you might want to alert on like it should try like uh, I think they worded it as they preferred automation over um they preferred like automated solutions over what was the thing for it? like uh, like manual was, well they
2: had a cute uh, expression for it I think I remember which episode it was I'm gonna look that up
0: yeah but 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 the point was is that like if there was some kind of an alert that it was going to be sent out, that the system would like respond to it on its own. So the only things that you should be doing these types of alerts on were things that, um, they're like, they're new, for example, and, and you know, they haven't been seen before or, and so therefore you, you haven't like, uh, coded the environment to be able to, uh, respond to it on its own. Right. Um,
2: And the quote, by the way, is we want systems that are automatic, not just automated.
0: There you go. That was it. Yeah. So that was why it was like, you know, while reading this chapter kind of like going on in the background in my mind, you know, like, but, but why are we minor, but why are we monitoring? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's interesting. So they did throw out here at the beginning, some, some definitions for things just so that you'd sort of have a baseline on, on going forward. So monitoring, right. That is collecting, processing, and aggregating quantitative information about a system. Um, I mean, it, th- I didn't put this in the notes, but that's things like counts, right? Like error counts, um, latencies,
2: timing, like all that kind of stuff, right? That's that's your monitoring. Yeah, I think it's a, a good thing to define it because I remember the first time I, I remember hearing about that like, we had to be SOC compliant or something at work and one of the requirements is that we had to sign off on it was that a system was monitored. And I remember at the time thinking like, well, what does monitored mean? Does that mean somebody is like sitting there watching this stuff? Like, what what does that mean? Uh, how how do we say yes or no? Something's monitored, and so it's kind of nice to say like a system is considered monitoring if you've collected, processed, aggregated that information. And I think they don't call it out here, but I think that's a really good
1: point. Is all the systems out there have all these these values that are coming out of them. so the monitoring is actually bringing that data into a place where you can look at it, right or, or, or see how it's, how it's happening. Um, so the next one up that they have, they call white box monitoring. And this is monitoring based on metrics exposed by a system. So logs, JVM profiling, um, system event logs, right? Like Windows has its own event logs. Linux has its own stuff. Like that is all white box monitoring because more or less there's an API or a known way to get to it.
2: Um, And these are the things that you expose. Like you have uh, access to to make kind of changes and expose the kind of things that you want.
1: And then you have black box monitoring. This one's kind of interesting. So the reason they call it black box monitoring is because it's anytime you talk about something being like a black box, it means you don't have like, you don't have direct sight into it. Right. And so this is, this is seeing a system as a user would see it. Right. So if you were to go to a web page and click on something and it takes five seconds for it to load, that's what you're experiencing right? You're not reading latencies and response times or anything from the system. This is just what you're experiencing, seeing as an end
0: user. So that's what a black box monitoring is. Yeah. You're, you're going after the end result of it. I've, the, another thing that struck me when I read that part though, <clears throat> is that I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but I've heard of uh, the white box and black box in regards to unit testing. Have you guys heard of it in that regard? where it's the same same concept, but the idea is that, uh, you know, with the black box, you're going after the end result. So it's more like, you can almost think of it as like black box unit testing would be like end to end, you know, kind of integration testing where you're like, did the page load? How long did it load? Like, does it have the right content on it? Versus, you know, the the white box unit testing might be like, did this specific method return the value that I wanted to have returned under these conditions? Right. That makes sense. And, and so, but now they're using those same terms, but from a monitoring uh, kind of point of view, but you know, similar kind of concepts, just, you know, monitoring. Totally.
1: And then the last one is dashboard. And I think this is what ties it all together, right? The dashboard is what provides a summary view for the most important metrics for a service. So, so what Jay-Z was bringing up a minute ago with the, the monitoring, right? Like, what does that mean? Well, if you don't have a place to actually go look at it, and to gather that information and then to be able to alert on and all that, then you don't really have a monitoring solution set up.
2: So this part, Oh, I think we're going to say something.
0: Go ahead. Well, probably not. uh, Cause this part uh, specific to the dashboards though, Like, I kept thinking like in our own world where I'm like, maybe we have too much stuff going on in our dashboards and like, uh, like, as I kept going through this chapter, like, I'm trying to apply this to my, my, uh, you know, day job kind of situation, right? And I'm, and thinking like, okay, well, they're, they strongly advocate throughout this chapter about like almost like a less is more type of approach. You know, if you put all that data in front of somebody, you know, then, then, you know, the real issues might get, uh, lost. You know, it's the needle in the haystack kind of thing, right? Yeah,
2: it's nice to have when you when you need it. Uh, there's definitely, their metrics that are sometimes it can be really hard to go get it. And so it's nice to uh, <laughs> to just kind of have that uh, at the ready when you want to go looking for it. But somebody who's less familiar with the system to go in and see like 18 graphs on something when uh, when they actually have some recommendations on it, like the basics. So it would be nice to have something, maybe it's just kind of higher level
0: that you can kind of get to first and then drill in uh, if needed. It almost yeah. made me think of like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking specifically about like a grafana for example and that maybe you would have like one set of dashboards that are like hey yo oh, hey here are the key overview dashboards like these are the things that I want you know everybody to pay attention to and then maybe hidden off in another folder you would have like uh you know a, a technical analysis or debug kind of folder and that's where like you know you could see all the internals of some specific thing that you might be investigating and you might want to go look for like, Hey, what was the trend of this particular, you know, what was the size of my database over this period of time or whatever, you know, but it's like, it's, you had to go, you had to know that you wanted to go look for it and you went hunting for it. And so, yeah, you had the data there to your point. Like it, it, there are times where it could be helpful, but the stuff that's in your face is like, you know, here's a dashboard that might have like four or five things on it period. Well, we talked about this, I think even on the last episode where like, you know,
1: some of the, just as an example, like the Grafana dashboards for Kafka, right? Like there's dozens of things that they chart on there, but for you, what you care about in your service that you've created is, is data making it from the user input into my system, right? And that might only require one chart. Maybe two, depending, because you might need latencies and you might need throughput or something. But but that's where, yes, it's important to monitor your infrastructure, but your business level goals, you know, is probably less is way more, right? Like, is it doing its job?
2: And that's that's super important. Yeah, I like an example there is like imagine you hook up like a, a Spring app or just any web app for kind of a compiled language, uh, like a a garbage collection language, they're probably going to have metrics on garbage collection. Uh, How many things are in generation one, two, three? How often it cycles? What's the size? What's the utilization? uh, How long does it take to do garbage collection? You can imagine like a whole page just of graphs and charts for garbage collection. That's such a lower level of detail than you might want if you just want to know if the system's up. You know, like... (laughs) How are we doing? Is it crashing? Is it working? You know, and so if you, you kind of flood out the the good stuff, um, or, you know, that's that's great when you need it because you don't, like it stinks to go hunt for that information when you're really, really trying to, to find, you know, debug a problem and to not have it and to have to export it then. And so it's good to kind
0: of have it in your back pocket when you need right. it, but it needs to be your back pocket. Right. Yeah. So when you see my pull request to like reorganize all of our, our, please dashboards, you'll understand. Good luck, Dude. man. We'll see that in a bit in a year. Oh yeah. wow! Um, why are you gonna attack wow. me like that? Why? Why? Why do you think I would like take so long? Like, no, I thought that would be quick. I mean, wow. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh oh! <laughs> um, I mean, I thought you were trying to like again. Like, if you only said it in my voice, then it would have been even worse. Like, yeah, yeah Double whammy. I, I got nothing there. Alan's um, on the attack tonight. <laughs>
1: uh, it's been a long week, man. Um, <laughs> so the other thing that they actually mentioned not it's funny like when I read this I was like oh that totally makes sense but I don't I don't typically think like this is they said hey on these dashboards you might also include things like team information so oh, I um yeah how many tickets are in your queue um what are the highest priority bugs that you have to go on who is the current on-call engineer like those are all things that would be great to see at a glance on the same screen where you're monitoring your application
0: okay now, it, personally like being able to see like the tickets and they're in the queue and all that kind of stuff like you know uh, i mean cuz cuz there are platforms out there where you can you know assign the tickets and you can already see dashboards for all that kind of stuff i'm not i'm not concerned about that but the idea of being able to see like in the dashboard like who the on call engineer is for that specific part it's nice that integration i was like oh i want that in my life yeah, but then i was nice. also kind of like thinking like Maybe I don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) It depends on if I'm on call or not, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and so now they go on to define the alert, which we've already sort of talked about. But this is a notification that's intended to be read by a person. Now they probably said human, but we already went over that. Um, these are tickets, (laughs) email alerts. You know, I'm gonna in
0: the show notes. I'm gonna do a find and replace for person, and I'm gonna replace it with human. That's fine. As, as long as I don't look at it ever again. Just kidding. Um,
1: root cause. Now, this is a good one. This is – I actually like how they define this. This is the best I've ever actually seen this defined in, in in terms of how I've ever heard it. It's a defect that, if corrected, creates a high confidence level that the same issue won't be seen again. I really like that. I Usually, when you hear root cause, it's like, well, what caused the problem? And, and that's it, right? Like, you, you write up a paper, you write – you write why it happened and what you're going to try and do to mitigate it instead of treating it as the thing that can be corrected so that you never deal with it again. I love that. Um, they also then said that there can be multiple root causes for any particular incident, right? Um, Like, for instance, I I don't know, the thing was running out of RAM. Oh, and by the way, we didn't test it for this, right? So you didn't have any unit test in place, and there was this thing that happened. So you would have never known that it was going to happen, right? So those could be two root causes that you actually have the ability to go out and fix.
2: So I was looking at cakes on Costco. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We talk about node machines that we're at. Node yep. machine. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, single instance of a running kernel. Uh, so, um, yeah. yeah. It, I had to put this in here because I don't know.
1: The thing is, we have a lot of different types of listeners to the show, right? And yeah. if you're not a computer science major or you didn't go through a um, traditional computer science thing, you may not even know what a kernel is, right? So I, I wanted to throw this in here, just so that everybody's on the same playing field. Here, the kernel is the core of the operating system. So it's usually what controls everything. It's always resident in memory, and it is what is doing all the interactions between the hardware and software. Like if you open up Task Manager in Windows, right, with the the ability to go kill a task, your kernel is the thing that is sort of controlling all those running tasks scheduling them for processing time and all that kind of stuff. Right. So it is the heart of how your operating system works for a single computer,
2: For, for a computer, for a virtual or, you know, regular computer, either one. Yes.
1: A virtual machine or, or a real, you know, on the metal computer. And I think that was the important thing that they were calling out here is they're not calling it a computer. They're basically saying any instance of a kernel, right? So if you've got a, if you got a bare metal system that's running ten VMs, then you've technically got ten kernels running, right? Or and 11. each kernel is a node or eleven, right? The host, correct? Yeah, good call. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, they, and
0: they actually said that like node and machine here are interchangeable.
2: Yep. Yeah, which uh, yeah the the way they that kind of bumped me out because like it, like instantly like my mind just conflicted and fell over. <laughs> <laughs> you know you uh hard to someone now it's like L- let me explain to someone what new known kernel machines maybe they're a newer programmer i have been programming for a year and you start out by telling them first that back in the day a computer used to just be a computer <laughs> and, and they it wasn't always the case that you had multiple computers on a computer that's new <laughs> kind of in the grand scheme of things yeah, yeah i guess it's I, not that new
0: i love when like uh, you, you know, when I try to explain like Kubernetes to somebody that's never touched it before and you start with a node and you're like, well, okay. You know, so a node is the physical piece of, of uh, hardware, you know, that's going to run pods and everything. And then you get through this, like this whole explanation of, of like what it could be. And then you're like, okay, now that I've got that settled in your head, let me blow your mind a little bit. A node could be virtual. That <laughs> right. didn't really have to be a computer. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, containers and pods, which run on nodes, which run on, run on virtual machines, which run on machines directly. No one's actually seen a machine in many years now, so <laughs> we're not really sure about that <laughs> anymore. They're all locked up in data centers. Like, aren't those
1: like the new age submarines? Like, people never actually come out of them. They sleep in bunks down there. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, so now, now that we've level set on that, you know, that, that should help a little bit. Um, they say that there could be multiple services worth monitoring on the same node. They could be related or unrelated. I mean, they, they gave some examples of like a web server and a cache server, right? Those could be related. So you might monitor both those things. It could be two things that are totally unrelated, like your Git um, Repo? server. Yeah, Git repo, Git server, and, I don't know, your web server. Like, those are completely unrelated. They don't have anything to do with each other, but you might be monitoring them. I don't even – honestly, when they called that out here, I was like, why? Like, why are you calling it out? Like, there's some things you want to monitor and some things you don't. Like, that seems to be simple enough. But whatever. I didn't write it, so yeah.
2: I guess I can't give them too much, too yeah. much garbage about it. Right? It's mostly fine. It's mostly fine. Except the humans thing and the – Yeah, the humans. Yeah.
0: So uh, in this episode of Critics Corner, Alan, Alan discusses.
2: Yep, uh, just teased it, but well, you know I, I don't love this next term either. But hold up, hold up! Before we go there,
1: is it d- does it happen to you guys? Like when you're reading s- somewhat mostly technical things, like when when they call out things that you're like, man, this is already enough to consume, right? This is already enough for you to go. Okay, I read this five times. I think I got it this time because I was paying enough attention the fifth time to catch it. Why are you going to throw in things that really just seem to not matter, like that distract from the overall meat? Do you guys feel that way sometimes when you're reading things like designing data or design driven? Yeah, domain driven, domain driven design. Like that was one of those books that I was just like, "There's really good content here," but I'm having a really hard time digging it out of all the words. Now it was thick definitely yeah yep. yeah so anyway yeah i am sorry i'm not i'm not trying to be mean thank you for the free um resources google it's amazing um, but yeah all right i'm done asterisk
0: yeah, asterisk. yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and the last one's a push referring to any change or uh, to a running service or its configuration which is fine it's just a uh, you know i like the word change like change to me means it can be a, a change to a running service but also changes can be like configuration like we call it change management not push management so it's just kind of like a I don't. I don't know. Understand the distinction. I don't know why they went with that one, but you know, I'll, I'll let it go this
0: time. <laughs> I don't know. That one, seemed, that one was. That one made sense. Like I. Yeah, yeah I, I don't the, hate it. Yeah, I think they're just saying push
1: the change to whatever that environment is. Right. I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe just wording. Right. Maybe things have changed since this was written, and, and the wording's different to us now.
0: I'm just thinking they get really confused when they listen to some salt and pepper. Dun, 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 and, dun, and dun. that is a very topical reference that I've just made and I'll, I'm sure I'll have more that's all good <laughs> I like it
2: I think you just dated yourself which is kind of weird uh, that's, a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a weird phrase too right uh, anyway <laughs> we could, dive, we could uh, do this all day yes. uh, uh, so why should you monitor I've uh, got a couple reasons here uh, analyzing trends seeing things uh, whether they're going up or down um, being able to compare them over time which is good uh, of course, you're going to alert when there's a problem, which is nice, because then you don't need someone watching the screens all day long.
1: Hey, hold up on the comparing over time. So this wasn't just the, the things that were changing. They were basically talking about if you made a change in a system, like what what did, you know, oh, yeah. before I made the change in the system and after I made the change in the system, did the CPU start doing better or did it do worse? Yeah. Or did, did the web page do better or worse? load slower after this you know new release than what it was before? Right. So without without that monitoring, you wouldn't be able to see what those changes were. You wouldn't be able to graph those trends between the two different things over time. So Hillary
0: it kind started. of implies like there's this ability to like correlate, you know, your releases with your mo- as part of your monitoring. So, <clears throat> you know, I'm not sure how they would have that wired up. And I, I honestly haven't seen that wired up. But it sounds super cool. Other than like Either. manually knowing, like, hey, this is when we released and I can see this in Grafana. I know that, like, oh, that spike there or, or that, that dip is where we did a release.
1: Or, or in, if you took something like Grafana and let's say that you had enough stats backed up for a week or something, right? You could totally graph, you know, today and then today minus seven days on the same thing and see and see what's happening, right?
0: Yeah, but I, I guess I meant something like in the more automated fashion to where mm-hmm. like it would on the on the chart itself there would be like, you know, uh maybe a line that says here's where this version was released and then here's another one where this version was released and you could like see them on that chart without overlapping, like single single right. line graph. <laughs> You
1: remember DevOps Handbook said that you should do that. You should actually graph and chart those when those releases when they happen and all that. Yeah. Yep. I I haven't
0: seen how to do that in Grafana.
2: Uh, I, I, I've not seen how to do it in Grafana, but uh, our <laughs> friends over at Airbrake, uh used to sponsor the show. They uh they absolutely have the ability to do it and they had an API and you could also do it manually just like oh, clicking yeah. in the chart and like noting. And it was really nice for like incident investigation because like while you're trying to figure out something, you could just kind of add a little annotation to say like, okay, this is where things went wrong. We don't know why this is, and this is a deployment and whatever.
1: Yeah, there were oh. there were ways to do it in things like Jenkins. And I actually talked to the group that handled that, and they were like, Yeah, we don't we don't give access to some of this stuff to to be able to call these. And I was like, Come on, man, really? We can't we can't do that? And they're like, No, we don't we don't give you
2: access to it. It's like a yeah, right. you do too. Um, so if you have like a dashboard, like a page of dashboards, you can like add a note on one, and it'll like put it on all the others, uh, which is really nice. Yep. Oh uh, yeah. So, uh, the dashboards, fantastic. They answer some basic questions, and this is probably my favorite part of the chapter. They mentioned the four golden signals, uh, but we're not gonna tell you what those are yet. But. Um, <laughs> it's basically talking about kind of boiling down, uh, what's most important because you don't want to overwhelm, and confuse the situation. And dashboards are fantastic for kind of targeting, uh, and s- being at an appropriate
0: level for what you're trying to do. I think the four golden signals, like if you, you know, each person that collects one, they get a free entry into the chocolate factory.
2: Yeah. But there's one flying around all the time and if you catch it, you, uh, somehow win the rest of the game, cause it's so many more points than all the other quidditches or whatever. Hmm. <laughs>
1: And the umphalumpas,
2: <laughs> yes, maybe we mixed several metaphors there. It's great. I think we did. Yeah, yeah. Kudos if you got them all. Yep, <laughs> gotta catch them all. Uh, ad hoc analysis when things change, <laughs> uh, and also being able to identify what causes. So this is the thing we talked about all the time. Is like with your uh, observability, you need to be able to figure out
0: if things working and if not, what went wrong. I mean. Kind of to Alan's point earlier, though, there was a lot in the beginning portion of this chapter where it was like, okay, I mean, this is, let's get to the meat of it already. You know, some of this was like, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, but, but it was like also, you know, setting the groundwork for like, okay, this is what we're going to call these things humans. And these things are machines. Man, (laughs) Humans are machines.
2: And, and I also should say, uh, unless you know when a system is about to break, which is really important, you know, things like uh, disk space is probably my favorite example here. When you say, like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and, and the uh, the rate you're going, you're going to be out of disk space in one hour or, you know, one week or whatever.
0: Okay, this is where, like, we we're starting to get into, like, my mind exploding a little bit as I was reading this because it was like, well, okay, wh- isn't that something that, like, we, sh- we could make this system deal with that Automatic. on its own? Like, why yep. would we? Why would that beat need to be an alert? Why is that an example? So check this out. So our disk space, uh, it could just be something that we just need to add more
2: disk, and maybe we can automate that, and that's great. But you can think of like, what if that's a sign that there's a, a problem? Mm-hmm. Like something's going nuts, it's writing way too much. We're uh, adding disk much faster than we expect to because we're not adding, you know, it's it's out of uh well,
0: then proportion maybe, with our growth. Well then your metric wouldn't be that you're running out of disk space. The metric should be how often are you adding additional space. Okay. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean that's that's
1: modifying the the thing, but but same type thing goes, right? Like if if all of a sudden you see some unexpected trend, you know, and this is where usually alerts aren't based off some linear thing right like it's when you start seeing this slope that that changes like so fast that you're like wait a second uh, somebody needs to take a look at this because this isn't normal right
0: No, obviously, though, uh, you know, I mean, you can tell I've kind of got like a a Kubernetes bias as I'm as I'm reading through this, though, because, you know, if you're like dealing with physical servers then you're like, well, hold up now, Michael. I mean, Alan, that's that's not so easy to just go and add a a hard drive, you know, like the computer is going to do it for itself on the fly. Like, how's that supposed to work?
1: You know, it's funny. I hadn't even thought about it because when you said that, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, "Oh, you just modify the PVC size." You yeah, it's Ooh, it's yeah, totally like,
0: different when you've got well,
1: like if you're managing a
0: data center or something, right? Like, yeah, that's
1: that's a different ballgame.
0: I, I definitely wasn't talking about like trying to modify the the PV size because that's not going to play well so so easily. I mean, I guess technically it's possible, but uh, but I was te- I was totally thinking of like horizontal and vertical auto scaling, uh, you know, that you could do in Kubernetes. Yeah. So I
2: like, uh, managed services for storage and, uh, Kubernetes for stateless.
1: There you go.
2: And yeah, you know, that's like hardened and whatever, but, um, yeah, it's not, it's just it's so nice to not have to worry about that, but that's also making some big assumptions about your managed service and that it can add disk dynamically, which is tough. So I think a, a lot of work probably goes in that, but you imagine like Gmail or, you know, whatever, like they have to be able to add disk drives as needed, you know? So that's something they're going to have to figure out. And that's uh, something I'm glad I don't have to worry about.
1: Well, you know, it's funny, like when you talk about automating that, that's also part of the reason why people's cloud bills are so high is because if you do just set something up to automatically be like, oh, it came in within 20% of capacity, it just keeps adding them. You you go back and look at your bill and you're like, when did we have ten petabytes of drive space attached yep. to our thing? Right, like when did that happen? So like something
2: went uh, recursive and like
1: right, right. Yep. Oh, oh, this next one I actually liked too. They say you should never alert on something just because it seems off. Right, like don't don't try and call out every little thing that comes
2: out. Right, like if it's not a problem, let it be. Yeah, that's because uh, you get too many false positives and humans uh, hate that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it makes it because I'm paying attention. Well, and that's also- actually
1: one of the bullets that you have right there. If you yeah. finish that out, they said the problem with that, ex- just what you said is if there are too many false positives or too many things that come through, humans have a tendency to just stop investigating because they feel like, oh, well, this is a waste of my time, right? They're not going to be as thorough.
0: Yeah. And this is another example where like you could actually lose the, the, the needle in the haystack kind of situation because when the real alert comes through, you can train yourself and, and I've even caught myself doing this where like train myself to be like, Oh no, I can just ignore these. And then you're like, Oh, wait a minute. No, wait, I needed to go back and look at that one. Mm -hmm. yeah you you can alert and your first thought
2: is how can i relate this to something i know i can ignore (laughs) you know (laughs) from the wrong perspective
1: yeah
0: there there was it's later i don't know that you guys had planned to talk about it but there was later in the book where they were talking about um examples of uh they they give some 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 use cases uh jay-z probably didn't read them but no i'm just kidding (laughs) i know alan did hate them where yeah exactly but um they were talking about like when you they get, did get an alert for a specific thing that they're like, okay, well, while we're trying to resolve this thing, let's scale back, you know, what might cause that thing to alert so that people aren't getting inundated with it. And other engineers aren't like, um, being pulled away from their work in in order to try to figure this out when we already have people, you know, trying to resolve it too. So, um, you know, I, I kind of like that in regards to like trying to, uh, not not inundate people with that with that alert
2: yep absolutely and also uh one thing i mentioned here is that uh, paging a person is very expensive it takes them away from what they're doing if they're sleeping if they're you know whatever like whatever you're doing like you know, people contact switching getting them off work whatever all that stuff uh people are expensive or, like much more expensive than a computer uh in general so yeah don't do it so you talk about uh oops, go ahead
0: well, I was going to say too, like you know, going back to my my whole thing about like, well, but it's supposed to be, uh, you know, oh, what was that phrase again? Auto- automatic, automatic, not automated, not automated, and yeah. and but they did say in this chapter though that a lot of these are like ideals to strive for, and that even they didn't have it perfected, like you know, even across their teams. So yeah, um, yeah, I thought that was a a really good like honest uh you know r- revelation that they were saying that you know hey even even that we've written this book and we're we're sharing these ideas with the rest of the world like we're by no means perfect on it
2: oh, yep and so it's just about building that uh, good um, signal to noise ratio like kind of keeping the <laughs> the hay the hay out of the needles or vice versa the needles out of the hay uh but one thing thing i was kind of was kind of a fun question is like how can you measure your signal to noise ratio like how do you know Another uh, thing I could really think of is like, you know, obviously if you've got uh, alerts to go out, you need a metric on alerts that were false positives or false negatives. Well, I guess false negatives is a little harder. You can't really quite measure that the same, but uh, it's almost like you need to have a meta dashboard there. Uh, Jira stats is another way to handle that.
0: Well, I would, I would also say too, based on this chapter that uh, uh, like a, an, a counter of how many times you've sent the same type of alert out because they strongly advocate in this chapter that, um, you know, these alerts are supposed to be novel, right? And so if you're, if you see that same alert 20 times, that's 19 too many. Yeah. Right. And that would be noise. I feel like the Grinch when we talk about noise though, I always want to say noise, noise, noise.
1: Yes, yeah, so I get that. <laughs> it reminds me of one of our past sponsors, and I cannot think of their name right now, and that's terrible. I want to say it was X something, but um, like when when something would happen, it's, X matters. When something would happen, it would automatically create tickets and all that kind of stuff. That would actually be a potential way to do it, right? To where if you created a ticket in your system and you constantly just say. Um, duplicate, 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 something you could almost do like a roll up count of those tickets and the resolutions that were done and say, Hey, we got this thing a hundred times and it was only ever something that mattered once, right? Like that's, that's a 99% noise ratio, which is a problem.
2: So this episode is sponsored by retool building internal tools from scratch is slow. It takes a lot of engineering, time, and resources. So most companies just resign to prioritizing a select few and settling for inefficient hacks and workarounds
0: for every other internal business process. Retool helps developers build internal tools faster so they can focus on development time on the core project or product. Retool offers a complete UI component library, so building forms, tables, and workflows is as easy as drag and drop.
1: More importantly, Retool connects to basically any data source, database or API, offers app environments, permissions and single sign on out of the box and offers an escape an escape hatch to use custom JavaScript when you need it.
0: With Retool, you can build user dashboards, database GUIs, CRUD apps and any other software to speed up and simplify your work without Googling for component libraries, debugging dependencies or rewriting boilerplate code.
1: Thousands of teams at companies like Amazon, DoorDash, Peloton, and Brex collaborate around custom built retool apps to solve internal workflows. To learn
2: more, visit retool.com.
1: All right, who's begging? I haven't
0: done it in a while. Oh, gosh. Here we go. Oh, no. Let's do it. Oh, all right.
2: Hey there. uh, It's Joe. Uh, Outlaw is in the restroom. Wait, what? Uh, Alan is. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah you ruined by what oh it's all messed up now i was gonna ask i was gonna ask for reviews because we need them we love we got several this time which is really great and makes it feel great but uh now i can't do what i was gonna do It was gonna be super weird uh and awkward <laughs> i'm kind of glad that i stopped it then so yeah it's for the best really but anyway i was just gonna ask for a review because we know we love them we try to make it easy if you go to codingbox.net slash reviews there's a bunch of links there that can help you help us with helping you find the right reviews look i kind of did i think about it you're like yeah coding slash review yeah that's how i that's how i like it (laughs) Uh, yeah um but yeah it's all ruined so i mean if you could just hook us up that'd be great (laughs) all
0: right well you know what uh joe maybe i can make you feel a little bit better please what does a clock do when it's hungry something eight something eight mm. I don't know oh wait a minute hold on <laughs> <laughs> bump, 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 bump. you thinking about it keep thinking about it Now we got time bump, bump. everybody loves this song hey we can't go with the full 30 though oh man. okay Th- well it's fine good. then <laughs> I I realized we had to be you got somewhere to be This was a final Jeopardy, man. (laughs) This is the first question. Oh, you're right. You're right. All right. Well, the answer is uh, it goes back four seconds. Oh, geez.
2: That's very good. Very good.
0: Ah,
1: it took a second. I Uh, gave you the signal. It didn't matter, man. It didn't matter. (laughs) I was trying to remember what the original question was. I was all in the Jeopardy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh see so, yeah okay fine i'll play the jeopardy song again you ready no just uh, <laughs> all right uh so a few episodes back oh yeah i guess i should say like we now head into my favorite portion of the show because i know that jay-z loves when i do this part survey says all right you gotta like do the the, the uh what's it called the dop- Doppler effect you know oh yeah all right so uh a few episodes back we asked how mature is your CI CD pipeline. And your choices were extremely mature, something like commits are made, bits are built, things are tested, PRs are merged, builds are deployed automatically every time. Or somewhat, as in we build and test PRs regularly, but deployments still require a person to initiate. Or not even close. It's more like Leroy leaves his laptop running in a closet, and when we need a build, someone walks over and performs the 18 necessary build steps. So uh, this is 185. So to TechCo's trademark rules of engagement, Alan, you are up first.
1: Man, I'm, I I think I'm going to go the middle road here uh, because I'm not sure how many people work at large companies like an Amazon where it's going to be extremely mature. So I'm going to say somewhat. And I'll go, go 40% on the somewhat.
2: Joe? Um, okay, hold on. Let me. Uh, I'm doing a little bit of math here. Okay.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, I'm
2: going to go with the same answer, 40%.
0: Wait, no. What? <laughs> uh, that's my final answer. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Price is Right rules. You can't do that, sir is it true can you not do that no you can have there has that. to be a difference well
2: <laughs> i don't know what to do i mean that's my answer <laughs> hey, can
0: negative 40 percent. okay negative 40 percent. i'll take that yeah. i don't think the math is going to work in your favor though well, it never does <laughs> when's you the last time you attended a math class by the way
2: <laughs> oh geez I, I hold on let me count okay mm. Do I need One, to two, C, D, E, F, minus the 14.
0: All right. All right. So uh Alan says somewhat, as in we build and test PRs regularly, but deployments still require a person to initiate with 40% of the vote. And Joe says somewhat, as in blah, 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 but negative 40% of the vote. <clears throat> it could be. I'm pretty sure I know who's gonna come out as the winner here. <laughs> it's Allen. Of course. Oh nice. now it would have been a super awesome thing if if Jay Z was I should have said Jay-Z just to like trip it you could, up, right? It could have happened. I thought he was gonna you do forty one, honestly. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't. I really in in and, and that's how close he came. Because had he outnudged you like that, by a single point, he could have walked away victorious because it was actually 52% of the vote. Wow. Okay. That was my second choice. Actually, I was almost, <laughs> almost said 52. <laughs> he was on the fence. How, you know, it's so like, how do you take this guy seriously? Like, do, do I, do I, do I trust that answer? Do I really think that that was the second? Cause I, that's so good. I don't
2: think so. We'll never know. We'll never it was, Just it was, rewind and listen. I said it a I, few seconds ago.
0: <laughs> I kind of think Joe's lying to us. I don't know. Maybe. Let me ask. Why are ghosts bad liars? Because you can see right through them. That's right. Ooh,
1: wow. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It hey, hey, was the number two answer. Was it extremely mature? Yeah. It really okay. was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I think, I I think that's because we have... There's definitely a number of people that work at the Microsofts, the Amazons,
0: those kind of places. So Yeah, that, uh, the Fang, or is it? Yeah. I guess now it's Mang because it's meta and set. I always oh. thought that that was because Microsoft got added, but then I realized, like, oh, wait, they changed their name. Yeah, Mang. Hey,
2: you know, so we did that great resignation episode. Uh, Facebook, I've heard Meta, uh, hiring freeze, uh, Netflix looking at layoffs, and, oh, Twitter. Also, uh, hiring freeze.
1: <laughs> I think Twitter's like sort of <laughs> this whole world of... Yeah, that's a I weird situation to we be in.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah I haven't that heard. Br- What's going on over there? Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I heard something. Him,
2: and they were like, no. And then they are like, oh, okay. And then he was like, no. And they're, now they're like, Well, Yeah. That's yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that synopsis though. <laughs> <laughs> it's very dramatic. <laughs> it's it's quite accurate though. All right. So, um, so you put a Twitter thing in here saying, ha, thanks. But by the way, that doesn't work. Um, so I'm not sure what that's supposed to be. Oh yeah. So, um, the reason
2: the, the survey was inspired by a tweet that came oh. from Kurt Frank. And so I, uh, I was going to throw this into the show notes when I put the, uh, when I was just going to add it in there.
0: Okay. So. So so, then he already knows what this episode's survey is going to be. But for the rest of us, this episode, we ask, (laughs) which book should we finish? You know, I mean, like, it's a little bit of a a self-owned, I guess, you know, that we got to, like, take up here. But, uh, you know, I thought we, like, purposely were, like, you know, walking away from some of the books. Like, no, no, no. Like, we'll let – we're not trying to, like – get into copyright infringement issues here, like, you know, do the whole book, are we? But apparently, like, people were like, hey, why don't you cover the whole books? They want to know if we can battle a dog in court. Yeah. I, pff- <laughs> Probably not. I don't know. But yeah, uh, It's h-
2: actually illegal to do uh, in, in the last chapter, basically. So yeah. As long as you stop right before, then you're good. I, hey, and I plus, legally. I'm hey, not a we, lawyer, but...
1: For we sure. always buy these books and give them away too. So yeah, right. I mean, they can't they can't be too mad at us.
2: Yeah, yeah actually, and then the authors that we've talked to is, have never been upset about it. Right. So. Yeah. But don't tell don't tell them. Right. Yeah. You know exactly. So, I'm also not saying, sure that's
0: how the law works. I don't. I don't yeah. know. But uh, yeah, it probably doesn't. matter. If you matter, know any of these authors, don't tell them. Yeah. yeah.
2: Should we have a little secret?
1: If we're not <laughs> we're not law professionals, uh,
2: blah blah blah. Yeah. Please don't sue us.
0: Yeah. All right, so uh, which book should we finish? And your choices are, we got to start with Site Reliability Engineering or Site Reliability Engineering. <laughs> <laughs> I should I should just say all of these names as Joe would. Uh, yep,
2: yep, mush it up.
0: Site Reliability Engineering. And number two, Design and Data Intensive Applications.
2: No, I can, I can tell what you're saying. Oh,
0: oh good enough. Th- I, I, I'm not going to do it. Maybe, maybe we should have Joe read these. But designing data intensive applications was number two. Domain-driven design, number three. Uh, next up, clean code and clean architecture. The imposter's handbook. The DevOps handbook. Or any book. Just finish one. <laughs> <laughs> or I actually like that you leave some of it for me to read on my own. Or... Just move on to another book. Ain't nobody got time to go back to these old books.
1: But you you know what's going to be crazy is when people actually read these books on their own, they realize that it doesn't take four hours to finish a chapter. <laughs> They're going to be like, yeah. oh, my God. There were only 30 pages of that? <laughs>
2: yeah. I actually read this chapter while I was sitting waiting for my Sonny's drive-thru.
1: Oh, Sonny's. I had not had that in a minute. That's yeah, pretty good.
2: Mine's got a drive-thru.
0: It's, like, wicked fast. That's great. Fastest series chapter. This episode is sponsored by Shortcut. Have you ever really been happy with your project management tool? Most are either too simple for a growing engineering team
1: to manage everything, or too complex for anyone to want to use them without constant
2: prodding. Shortcut is different, though, because it's better. Shortcut is project management built specifically for software teams, and they're fast, intuitive, flexible, and powerful.
0: Let's look at some of their highlights. Team-based workflows. Individual teams can use shortcuts, default workflows, or customize them to match the way they work. Organizational-wide goals and roadmaps. The the
1: work in these workflows is automatically tied into larger company goals. It takes one click to
2: move from a roadmap to a team's work to individual updates and vice versa. Tight VCS, uh, version control system integration, whether you use GitHub, GitLab, or Bitbucket shortcut ties directly to them so you can update progress from the command line. And a uh, k- keyboard-friendly interface. The rest of the shortcut is just as friendly uh, to your keyboard with their power bar allowing you to
0: do virtually anything without touching your mouse. Iterations planning. Set weekly priorities and then let shortcut run the schedule for you with accompanying burndown charts and other reporting. Hey, give it a try at shortcut.com slash coding
1: blocks. Again, that's shortcut, S H O R T C U T dot com slash coding blocks. Shortcut, because you shouldn't have to project manage your project management. All right. And we're back to to page two
0: of chapter
1: <laughs> six. <laughs>
0: chapter six. <laughs> um, all right, you don't yeah. know how many pages it is because it's not a web page.
1: They didn't know You didn't it print did it. That's right. Um, right. That'd be so, hilarious if you did print it, though. Like, no, I'm not that guy. It, we yeah. all know I like Kindle better than I do printed. Printed. So yeah. Um. So setting reasonable expectations for monitoring. This is kind of important, right? So, monitor. They actually call this out. Monitoring complex systems is a major undertaking. So they mentioned that their Google SRE teams with ten to twelve members. They always had one to two people focused on building and maintaining their monitoring system for their service. So a fifth of their team, a fifth to a sixth of their team was already devoted to just making sure the monitoring was working the way that it should. Um, they did say over time that they've reduced that head count from two to one as they've improved and centralized some of their infrastructure and some of the things that a lot of their services share. So that's awesome, right? Um, everybody's getting to benefit from that, but they still have at least one person that is dedicated to doing that for their service.
2: Yeah. And that's uh, crazy to me because that's a lot, you know, you're talking about like some percent, you know, eight to 10% something like that of your uh, workforce, imagining image that is like working uh, just on monitoring <laughs> your system. Like that seems like a whole heck of a lot. And uh, it got me wondering too, like, is that, is that a DevOps role? The sand. Hmm. Anyway, well, you're
0: saying you're saying that's crazy, and, and to me, it was more like okay, so there's a team that for for Gmail that's like ten to twelve people, and only one of those is monitoring Gmail. <laughs>
2: well that's not very many people for gmail I yeah think. i was gonna
0: say i, I think gmail is right.
2: probably a little bit bigger right yeah
0: well that's on the 12th side because they did get a range
2: 10, <laughs> 10 to, 12. to 12 that's right yeah that's a I large team it's broken up for the sub teams but still just even like you know imagine uh, you have a uh, hundred employees like 10 to 12 you know 12 are dedicated to, <laughs> to monitoring it's just it that's seems a like a lot but that's you know it's important. Well you gotta mention um, sure this is up. SRE teams too, I should mention. This right. is not normal dev teams, letters. it's ten to twelve. Okay, so now I feel better. Never mind, yeah, I changed my mind about yeah. SRE, SRE teams. An
0: SRE team for for Gmail. 10 right. to 12 yeah, that's people.
2: believable. Yeah. Yep. And one to two of them are working on monitoring full time.
0: Hey, and what they
1: said though, and, and this is really track. important. They they don't expect, like, the SRE to be staring at that screen the entire time, right? Like, there's yep. alerts and stuff set up. They're not having to look at the screen and say,
2: hey, the graph went up here, you know, <laughs> press mm-hmm. the button. That's that's not how that works. Yeah, I figure it's more like, um, you know, somebody has a problem and say, you know, we, we had this problem. It took too long to figure out. I think if we had a, a graph that shows this, that would be much better than the ones that we currently have. But in order to do that, someone needs to go through and add some more metrics here and there. And then mm-hmm. those are tickets for that person. So they, they also said
1: that Google has moved on to simpler and faster monitoring systems. That's interesting, um, they, which means that they've provided better tools for ad hoc analysis is basically what they said, right? So that's good. Um, this was really interesting to me, especially from a company like Google. They try to avoid building systems that try to determine the causality of something. They want to leave that up to the people. They don't want the machines trying to figure out why something went wrong. And my guess is because it's usually complex, right? And and you don't want the, the system trying to come up with some reason that's completely off base. Yeah, it's
2: wrong. Yeah, I
1: totally agree with that. Um, this, it, this They said this doesn't mean that they don't monitor... For major, major changes and common trends and that kind of stuff, right? They totally are. They just don't want it to be like, Oh, well, this is what the problem is, right?
0: So in other words, they wouldn't have a system that says like, Oh, hey, query performance has degraded. Uh, the cause it must be related to needing more CPU. I'm going to automatically add more CPU right. to the system and hope that that resolves it.
2: Well, that, and you can imagine a, a, you know, a web app can't talk to a database and says database is down in the error message, right? Or the alerts. Well, that can anchor someone into thinking there's a problem with the database and they go and look at it and realize like, oh no, it's the, the, the name for the database is wrong in the configs. And so it was like trying to talk to something nonsensical. But just by having the error message saying one thing, it kind of anchors you. Like I'm sure you've had a, like a problem somewhere where like, uh, the error message you got, like you go and by the time you f- figure out what the actual problem was, you were like, Wow, I never would have guessed that based on this error message because it had me kind of running down the wrong path because it was it kind of made some assumptions about what was wrong that weren't true.
1: Only every day,
2: right? Yeah, true. Oh my gosh.
1: Oh, <laughs> um, so this this also to me was very interesting. I, I'm curious what you guys think. They said that the SREs at Google almost never use tiered rules. Um, and by tiered, basically hierarchical type things, right? So, um. They gave an example, and I didn't put it in the notes, and I completely forgot what it There's was. Something about
0: like the if the data center is, is if they were draining thing uh, usages out of a particular data center, then you wouldn't alert on that data center on issues in that data center. Yeah, right. Absolutely. But clear. that was the example of like you know one of the few examples where like this is this is an example of where we do use that type of tiered alert. thing. But the the thing that was that. To me, is I was like, well, I had never, I would never would have thought to like write tiered uh, rules like this for my alerts until you brought it up. And now that you brought it up, you're telling me I shouldn't do it. And now I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I'm not going to do it, but because also, like, I still wouldn't even know. Like, I, I think the problem here that I had while reading this part is like it's a scale kind of problem, right? And the, yeah. and maybe some of the the scale of some of the things that they're talking about in this book. Is grander than the scale of things that I've had the pleasure to work on, right? And so I, I, uh, I, I haven't ran into a need for where I would have wanted to do these tiered uh, uh, type of triggers. Well, they
1: also call out the the primary reason they don't do it is because they're constantly changing things so much that that it doesn't make sense to create these tiered things. So they're changing. Um, their systems or the infrastructure or whatever, and so putting those in place just complicates things, right? And that's really what they were getting at the heart of was they like to keep their alerts simple.
0: Yeah, here I found the example it, it's uh, that they gave of like what they would not do. It is if I know the database is slow, alert for a slow database. Otherwise, alert for the website being generally slow. Oh, right. So instead, they're just advocating for like. Just say that there's a, you know, the response is slow period and you know you can go investigate it. Yep. They
1: did say when, when they do alert on these dependent types of rules, uh, it's when there's a common task that's carried out. That's relatively simple, right? If it gets complex and they just don't do it. Um, what else I got here? Oh yeah. When, when there is an issue, it's critical that that the alert happens quickly and that it's easy for the person to follow, right? So that they can actually go troubleshoot and fix the problem. Um So again, simplicity was at the heart of, of everything that they're saying here. And that's pretty much it. Like the, the last thing was like, Hey, if there is an alert, it needs to be representative of what the failure was. Like it, 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 just what Jay-Z said a second ago, it can't give you some sort of red herring. So you're off chasing your tail for an hour while production's down right like it needs to be a good one
0: i mean not you know again going back to my problem that i have with this though is I was like well if it's if the alerts are simple and you know what they are then those are the things that you're trying to automa- automatically fix right but i mean I, I realize that there are like cases where that might not apply but i i kept having this like internal struggle with myself as i was reading this <laughs>
1: Well, I think that's legit, though. I think that if an alert came up and it was easy enough to go fix, that's when you find that it's the root cause. You fix that root cause, and then you don't see that one again, right? I think it's an iterative approach to it over time. Um, so then they get into symptoms versus causes, right? Like this is, this reminds me of like medical stuff. Like you hear people saying they don't like going to a doctor because the doctor just gives them a pill and sends them home instead of trying to figure out what's going on. So you fix that. So you never have to come back to the doctor, right? For that same issue. It's the same thing here. Um, monitoring systems should ask two questions. What's broken. That's a symptom. And why is it broken? The cause, um, and it says that drawing this line is really important, right? Because this is the only way that you can create
2: a monitoring system that has high quality signals with low noise. And we talked about those dashboards and kind of having the right level of detail. I think uh, kind of what we're getting at there is that you kind of want one that just says, like, what is broken? And then from there, you want to be able to drill into a further dashboards in order to kind of figure out the why. Um, but you need to have those tiers that are otherwise just noisy. And so we, uh, they gave us an example here where basically if you imagine a web app is serving uh, you know, 500 error uh, response codes, so you know there's a problem. And the cause might be that uh, there's actually a problem with the database, but just the symptom you're observing is over here in this web server.
0: Yeah, it was also uh, in, worth calling out, too, that later they talk about like one person's symptom. I'm sorry, one human's symptoms might be another human's cause. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so things going kind to of cascade. I'm going to trigger him eventually. It'll happen.
2: You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, I, I'm not hearing the words anymore.
2: Uh, talk a little bit about black box versus white box. Uh, Google uh, SREs lean heavily on white box monitoring, uh, much less black box monitoring for critical use cases. Uh, so like we mentioned there, the white box monitoring was the, the white box. Uh, it's the things that you have access to do. These are the things that you choose to expose and they tend to be, um, they model the system. kind of. They're the representative of the system. Whereas the black box, which remember, is more like customer facing. This, this is what your customers see and interact with. And it's kind of treating the system as if it's something you don't have access to. This is what you can observe from the outside. Uh, this is more symptom oriented. Uh, that deals with more like uh, unplanned issues or things that are, um, you know, just kind of, Uh, More symptomatic, I guess. (laughs) I
0: mean, it's still valuable though, right? Because like you you can try going after all the causes, right? With the the white box monitoring and and try to get in front of that with metrics and whatnot. But it's easy to like miss things or to overlook things or like, you know, there's so many complicated variables that, you know, you could easily, uh, you know, miss one. And, you know, that's where like the the black box monitoring could still show you like, oh, well, there's still this symptom here that, you, that yeah. you missed so yeah imagine this like imagine this scenario i tell you three
2: percent of all uh calls are failing like ooh, yikes we should look on that what if i tell you a hundred percent of checkouts in our shopping cart are not working like whoa that's terrifying right that's a different situation though even though that might only represent three percent of the total calls it's really important to our customers and our use cases and you know everything else and so um yeah it's just a kind of example it's like something where the black box might kind of have a different perspective or show you uh, kind of a different uh different interface for that sort of thing
0: yeah
1: hey something something I did like is they talked about the fact that some issues are sort of hidden unless you have the white box um monitoring in place like so one of the things that they said was retries like for the black box experience like you go to check out right. And your checkout works fine. You you didn't see any problems with it, but behind the scenes, it failed four times and did retries, and that would only be caught by you know telemetry and and system monitoring. And it's kind of interesting to know that you wouldn't have known that there was something going on if you hadn't had that
0: monitoring in place. I, you know, here a real world example of that: uh, hard hard drives and SSDs. Because they they have errors all the time. I mean, there's a portion of the disk that's just you know, like it's kind of like over provisioned so that you can not have additional sectors to write to in case of problems. And you know, it just happily marks that it'll try. It might try it a couple times and then eventually mark it as bad and move on, and write it somewhere else. How much I/O is your your computer doing? You know, you're not you're not monitoring all that, but I mean, you can right. There are systems to do that, but you know, that's an example. If we're like you know, you could easily not know that that issue exists. And, and if you were tracking that ahead of time, especially if you think about like large disc arrays, you know, network and, and, uh, San type networks, uh, you know, then, then maybe that type of thing is a metric that you really do care to know about so that you can preemptively know, uh, like, Hey, this drive, this drive is, is about to die and I need, I should go ahead and plan to replace it beforehand.
1: So the the thing that we talked about earlier, and I think Jay-Z sort of touched on it at one point, was they had an example of this white box monitoring being crucial for, for telemetry. So the example they gave was, hey, somebody says the database is being slow. The website thinks the database is slow, but if you have explicit white box monitoring tied into both the website and the database, website thinks the database is slow, but you run these queries on the database and it thinks it's fast, so that might lead you to understand that, hey, there's a networking problem between the web server and the database server, right? So so you can draw improper collu- uh, um, conclusions without having the right telemetry being measured and monitored in different places.
2: Yeah, and think about how long it would take you to track that down and figure out if you didn't have two graphs that you're able to kind of correlate and see like, hey, this one's as fast as it was yesterday. and This one is way off. You know, like, what's the problem here?
0: I think this is the one, too, where they gave, like, an example. Like, it didn't even have to be anything wrong with either system. It could, Like, they gave an example of, like, a crimped uh, network. Yeah, cable. Cable. That was, like, intermittently dropping packets, uh, you know, causing dropped packets. And so, therefore, it was interfering with the performance. And so, you know, you could run queries left and right on the database. And it's like, yep, just return it happily. It's fast, you know, whatever. But the connectivity to it maybe for this one particular route it doesn't even have to be for every client. It could just be for, you know, one or two clients.
2: Yep. You,
1: you know what? This actually reminds me of the age old interview question that I'm sure we've all asked people, you know, Hey, you have a, an, a page in your application that's performing poorly. How do you figure out what's going on? I've never Ever had a person say, well, I would go look at our dashboard that was monitoring, um, you know, web request latencies and all that and database. Like it's always, well, I would go look at the, the web page first and see what's happening there. And then I would go back and look at the server. Like it would be awesome if somebody's like, well, I would assume that I'd have monitoring set up for the, my various tiers and looking at this stuff. And then I could just, you know, correlate the things, right? Like that would be a shortcut. And it just reminds me that it's, it's easy to forget about some of the stuff when you're going through it, but that'd be an, that'd be an amazing answer to start there. Let me look at my monitoring tools.
0: And then you'd be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we don't have any of those. So yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I don't
0: know which Google book you read, sir, but that's this-
1: right. <laughs> we can't all live in a perfect world, fella.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever. That's awesome. So, uh, the four golden signals. So these were the, the things that like, if you were only going to measure four things out of your system, these are the, the four things that Google considers the most critical things to, to go after. So first is the latency, the time that it takes to your service to, uh, to, I'm sorry, let me rephrase this. The time it takes to service a request. Right. And it's important to separate successful requests latency versus failed request latency. But they did also call out in this chapter, though, too, where it's like, um, you might want to have, I forget, like you didn't want to just factor it out altogether, but you, you do want to have a consideration for those failed requests too. Because otherwise, like it could be misleading if you included it. Yeah. It, it was, that
1: actually was a really good epiphany to me too when i read that is like you know i don't think i'd really considered that like if something's failing they said a slow error is worse than a fast error and that makes total sense right like if it's going to bomb you don't want to sit there and wait 30 seconds for it to fail you want it to fail fast and it's just it's really interesting you want to filter that out from your from your real latencies that people are experiencing on a regular thing.
0: Do you remember, uh, do you remember, this is going to go back, uh, talk about dating. Do you remember like the days of the early days of the internet? Like you wanted to FTP, a large file. Right. And before, like there were like easy to use tools that had resumable FTPs. And instead it would, you know, you're trying to transfer and it failed. All right, let's start it over. Yeah. Right. And, and you, you know, you'd get so close to the end you're like, Oh God, I died again. Right. Like that, that's an example of like, cause you know, if you're thinking like, wait a minute, why would I hate a slow error worse than a fast error? Because in like that type of an example, right. Where it might take like, you know, 30 minutes to download something, you know, you'd rather know in 30 seconds or three seconds that, Hey, it's not going to work versus you get 28 minutes into it. And then it's like, no, I just died. And I was trying to transfer done. a ten meg file on my ISDN line, right, right, right. <laughs> ah, let me head out and go get a new modem. I'll be right back. Uh, uh, doo-doo,
1: doo-doo, doo-doo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know what's better, this comment or you like your sound effect for it. I was like,
1: yes, man, you've got mail.
0: Oh man,
2: Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did any? Did, of course, I had AOL. You didn't really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. To that's the, they had all the best chats.
0: Am yeah, I the man. only one that didn't actually have AOL? You didn't have the real why internet, you did bad? you? <laughs> oh man, I no. <laughs> the, the real you were inter- on the
2: sidelines of American culture at the time. You were man. Sorry, AOL
1: was the beginnings of why the internet is even a thing today. Yeah,
0: I viewed it as such a. Uh, like I viewed at the time I viewed AOL and like the people that were using AOL as like, okay, you don't really know computers then. If you're like that, that's AOL is for like, you know, the parents, that's what they need to use to get on the internet because they didn't know other ways to do it. <gasps>
1: hey, what what was your first version? Do you remember Joe? Oh, uh, first version of is AOL you used of AOL. Yeah. First oh, I don't know. Mine was 3.0. I remember 3.0. I remember they'd send you out the CDs and stuff like
0: upgrade oh, today. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, they, they, yeah. those CDs were in everything. Like, I had a stack of them and I never, ever, like, they would send them to you in the mail. Yeah. I know. It was great. Yeah, it was amazing,
2: man. Good time. Yeah, it was amazing. And so that's where they had the best chat rooms. I mean, they did. Just that was the best. Yeah, even
1: on my six hundred and forty by four hundred and eighty monitor, I'd have like twelve of those things
2: open, right? Yeah, and like the websites all were just terrible at the time. You know, it was all yeah. like Angel Fire type stuff, which is you know fun. It was cool, you know, if you want to like look up uh, stuff on Banshelect or whatever. But uh, aside from that, the web was terrible. And then what? Then you know what else was there? It was a uh, uh, user Dungeons, CompuServe. Yeah. GeoCities, IRC. and Angel
0: Fire. Those were the two. <laughs> Golly, oh, man. my. <laughs> so aol is still a thing yeah, yeah yeah and they have an article that is current as of 2020 on how to order a cd-rom to install aol yes sir yeah. that's amazing yes sir
2: i wait how what, are you gonna download it how you gonna <laughs> you can't you need you need download well from internet that's right you gotta wait, how are you guys connecting now <laughs> a, a copy serve <laughs> uh,
1: so I can't good. believe
0: I'm the only one that didn't use AOL for real like I just had small like ISPs that oh, no. that was how yeah. I got on the internet uh, well I
1: mean you are older than us so. whoa yeah.
0: hey yeah. wow <laughs> I'm get on the attack tonight whoa Oh, God, that would hurt. That was like a little extra sting to it, too, because it was like it came from a spiteful kind of place. Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been sitting on that one,
1: huh? El, El- was out there. He, he's earning a paycheck and I'm in high school. I'm like, hey, mom, dad, could you get AOL for
0: me? Well, there's not that much AOL. H- hold on now. <laughs> it's It's not that much. You're making it out like you know, I was in this a decade before you. You weren't, <laughs>
1: I, I quit, I'm done. Uh, I think, I think he's for the record, I think he's like a year or two older than me, so it's really not that much, but yeah, totally. I, I was asking my parents for internet,
0: right? You know, I. I <sighs> I got, I got, I got to like clear this before we can go out. Like why did the A go to the bathroom and come out as an E? I don't know. Because he had a vowel movement. All right. Now that we've got a little humor in our lives and you know, like we've, we've cooled the air. It's a little bit better. (gasps) We can move on. And talk about the next thing that you should be monitoring from your the four next golden, golden signal. signal. Yeah, yeah. We
2: take a little break there for a minute.
0: Yep, <laughs> uh, that's Alan's fault. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, we need to like take him out and walk him or something more often just to, like, So like get rid of some of that pent up energy. Yeah, uh, is traffic? How much demand is being placed on your system? So uh, this is like requests per second for a web web. Uh, for a web request, as an example, or for streaming or video uh, video or audio application, it might be the IO throughput that you might measure. So depending on your use case, you would measure different things there, but, you know, so, or let me rephrase that, you would define traffic in a different way depending on the use case. Yep, so first was latency, second traffic, now
2: the third is errors, which is the rate of requests that fail. Uh, so explicit errors, obviously, you know, like a or API response, something from like a REST, uh, REST API. Uh, Also implicit. So anything that you mark that took over two seconds, for example, to finish could be uh, considered an error. So these are things that you're kind
0: of making decisions about deciding to treat as an error, uh, whether they are or not. I really liked that one because, you know, later they're talking about, you know, you should sit down and decide on like what your, you know, defined success for whatever your thing is, right? For your service, for example. I think you gave an example of like an API, uh, a REST API. So define success for like how your REST API works. And if you say that, hey, all of our requests should be within like uh, one, uh, you gave two seconds here as an example. So if you say that like all of our requests should be uh, served in under two seconds and you find out that like, hey, 10% of the time, they're they are taking three to four seconds, then that means you have a ten percent error rate according to your own thing. Even though they were technically a success, they 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 returned the data successfully or the the result or whatever successfully, it, it still didn't meet your criteria of what success means. So errors. Yeah. I like that one. So then the last one, again, that you should go as your, uh, your four golden signals here, is saturation. How full is your service? And uh, my service is full of it, so I guess it's winning. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, but this is measuring resources that are the most constrained. So CPU or IO are things that are usually start to degrade before 100% utilization of your service, for example. So that's why having a utilization target is important. Um, the latency increases are often indicators of saturation. So if you notice that your web requests are starting to take longer, you know, then that might be an indication of the, uh, of the saturation. So, um, measuring the 99, 99% response time over a small interval can be an early signal of saturation. And I believe, if I recall, they actually referred to it as like one minute, um, was what they, what they were going after here. So, <clears throat> Um, they also say that saturations, saturation also concerns itself when predicting uh, imminent issues like filling up hard drive space and whatnot. So, I mean, we've all seen like examples of where like, um, you know, things can start to take longer a- as your system uh, gets like less and less disk space because, you know, maybe it can't use that for swap anymore. And have you ever like written it you're like, why is it running like like a dog all of a sudden, like what's going on? And then you realize like, Oh, I just ran out of drive space and that's what it is. So, you know, th- that was just an example. So again, the four golden signals, latency, traffic, errors, saturation. And if you can measure nothing else, at least those four should be what you should go after. And they will give you a decent, uh, uh starting point for your, your monitoring of your service.
2: Yeah, Uh, I think uh, we're going to hit pause on this chapter here. We haven't finished it, but uh, it's a good, good stopping point.
0: Yeah. And if you would like, you know, uh, in this survey, you could tell us if you'd like us to finish this chapter (laughs) (laughs) instead of the book. (laughs) That's awesome. uh, Well, that was a coincidence. Um, Yeah. So we'll have some links to uh, to resources we like. Obviously, the um, link to this book. Uh, that Google off uh, has uh, made freely available to the world, uh, and we might even, you know, it's six episodes in. We might include a link to the specific chapter. I don't know though; it's a little difficult to do. So uh, maybe. Um, and with that, yeah.
2: Hey, uh, I just want to mention too those uh, three ar- articles I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, um, the blog post, and the two uh, uh, postmortems, are going to be in the resources.
0: Killer. Yep, and with that we head into uh, Mino Allen's favorite portion of the show. <laughs> it's the tip of the week. I think I got it all out of my system now. So we, we
1: should be. We should be good.
0: I'm. I'm, uh, I'm reserving judgment until. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, man. I think I've been cooped up uh, too much. Um. So. I didn't even plan on doing this particular tip, but the last thing that we said here at the show was this whole measuring 99% response time over a small interval can be an early sign of saturation. Uh, for anybody that's using Prometheus specifically, I thought this was worth throwing out there because I learned this the other day. If you are trying to do rate calculations in Prometheus, um, the way that that works is it measures changes between two points that are scraped in time. And, and, and I say two points, it can be more than two points. So if you're doing a five minute range and you have a 15% or a 15 second scrape interval, that's four points per minute times five. That's 20 points, right? And a rate calculates the, the difference between point one and two and then two and three and et cetera, right? The important thing here is if you are trying to do rate calculations with Prometheus, they say you need to do at least two times the interval. So if you want to do a rate calculation and you have 15 second intervals, then you should do at least 30 seconds. But they go on to say that that's probably not even good enough. You want at least three times it because you need to make sure that you at least have two points in the thing, because sometimes Prometheus will drop data and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to throw it out there. If you are somebody that is doing monitoring and you have these short interval things and you're using Prometheus as your stats getter, you'll at least want to take a look at what the interval scrape is or the scrape interval is, and probably do that times three. If you're doing these short intervals, um, it looks like somebody's being nice enough. Type that in for me. That's awesome. All right. So, um, the next thing, uh, and what brought this up is Murley's blog that, that Joe has shared the link to here. If you are somebody and you're listening to the show and you probably know a lot of people that are writing tech blogs and that kind of stuff. Me personally, I don't want to spend my time writing the engine that writes my blog, right? Like I don't, it, there's a reason why WordPress runs more than 30% of the internet, right? And it's because People want to focus on getting content out there and not having to write code to just get a message out. So with that said, WordPress, if you want to set it up to be fast and all that kind of stuff can be really involved. Um, if you want to use something like Nginx along with the Redis cache and all kinds of other stuff, like you're talking about a decent amount of knowledge to go into it. If you don't want to have to take that hit to get something fast, that runs efficiently and all that. But you still want that setup? There is a thing called Webinoli. You can go to webinoli.com. And essentially, what it is, is a group of people have gone and set up scripts to set up all that stuff for you in the proper way. So, it will set up your Nginx server, it will set up your Redis cache, it will set up your WordPress installation, and it'll do all that stuff in a way that mostly does it as securely as possible from the get go. And with everything being done for you. And you can manage it with those same scripts. Like you can upgrade, you can back up, you can do other things. So um, if you're interested, go check that out webinoli.com. And then the last thing I want to bring up, only because um, I submerged myself in this um, rather nasty thing of encryption and asymmetric and symmetric and AES and RSA and all the different algorithms and all that stuff around it. When I did my research, there was not a ton. This is one of those things that reminds me of the Java language in general, in that you go search for how to do something, and you'll get 9 million different answers for the same thing that you're
0: asking for. The language or the ecosystem? Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that's but, shame on me. That's honestly, that's my fault. I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's
1: true though, right? Like that, that is one of the things about Java that always drove me a little bit crazy is, you know, what should I use? And there's like 9 million different answers and everybody, and it's a, it's a holy war on all, they're of all them. wrong. Yeah, None exactly. And it, And it's so frustrating. Well, I found something similar with cryptography. The first thing you'll read when you get into cryptography is don't roll your own, right? Like that is the number one thing that you'll find. And that is true. Don't do it. However, when you start trying to go figure out how to actually make it work, there's no great um, path on how to do things in a way that makes sense. And I'll give you an example. One one really or well-adopted pattern of doing cryptography, especially with cloud systems, is what's called envelope encryption. And simply put, You'll have one key that's sort of your root level key that'll encrypt a second level key. And then that second level key might encrypt some data, right? You might even have more layers, but the gist is this. If you're going to take a root key and encrypt another key, you need to know what key was used to encrypt that second key. And so you kind of got to keep track of this whole path of things. And I never did come across any really good documentation on how to do that stuff. Right. And so, more or less, I kind of tied my stuff together and for better or worse, it works, but I, I don't know if it's the best way to do it. At any rate, somebody asked me the other day, like, Hey, why don't you just use one of the PGP, um, SDKs out there? And I was like, um, I'm kind of annoyed that somebody's given it to me like that because I asked so many people the best way to do this. I looked it up. I Googled nine million different things and never came up with anything, but apparently there are ways to do some of this. And so I'm sharing a link to ba- Bounty Castle. They are one of the big ones out there that have written some cryptographic libraries in both C sharp and Java. And they've got a PGP implementation that they've got. And they've also got uh, so many other things and they are well regarded as one of the, you know, authorities in the space. So if you are ever looking to get into some cryptographic type things? And you need to worry about keys and encryption and AES and RSA and bit entropy and all that garbage? Go check them out. Read. Your eyes will bleed. You'll fall asleep twelve times, uh, but maybe you'll grok something.
0: It, it's a fair question when somebody hits you up like that, though. But it's also like, I, I mean, I feel, I totally feel your pain there. Where you're like you write something, and you're like. Yeah, I wrote this great, amazing bit of code. Look, you know, I couldn't find anything to do what we need to do at the time. So I, I, you know, I wrote it this way and and this is, it solves all our needs. It's been very useful and very helpful. And then somebody's like, but there's this Apache project or, you know, whatever it might be like this well-known thing, like, oh, I don't know why my Google foo failed me, but right. When I was searching, like (laughs) that never came up. Yeah, well, it's the thing is, is you don't know that you need to search for
1: PGP, like I mean that was obvious, right? Like, why, why wouldn't I have just searched for hey PGP SDK instead of cryptographic encryption SDK or something, right? Like,
0: man, maybe maybe the default go to in those situations now, like I'm I'm rethinking like how how you know I could learn from past mistakes similar to this, where like maybe now you should just like post the question out to Stack Overflow and let like a billion people throw their opinions to it. Maybe one slack? of those will work. Try Slack. Do it in Slack. Yeah, or Slack. You know, yeah, I, I
2: think that is the right answer. Is like, ask someone else. And you really got to pay attention to their, their answer. Because if the answer is not like, you know, like, oh, you know, the, like, it's an obvious answer. Here it is. Then maybe you're asking the wrong question. Maybe there's a different way to phrase the question that's right. more in line with the industry.
0: In fairness, he did ask. But what I'm saying I is did. that, like, yeah, maybe yeah. instead of going after, like, targeted people, <clears throat> you know, or, like, the, even that are in, like, your own domain, like, why you know, intent? why, yeah. yeah, like, go out, If you went out to, like, a Stack Overflow, then it's like, you know, you're going to get expertise and, and responses from, you know, all the corners of the internet, right? You'd say, I think... I think you just gave me the answer outlaw oh, well, is I should reap some
1: of what I've sowed on this episode and I should just put it on Reddit and be attacked. by oh, every,
0: no, wow. everybody on I, the internet. I right? was not yeah. wishing
2: that on you, but
0: you know, maybe after some of the things you said tonight, maybe I should right? wish that. Yeah, that, that could <laughs> well, that's why I could have. I was
2: saying the slack is like, there's like, you know, 7,000 people signed up. You ask on stack overflow is going to get closed as a duplicate and you're going to go look right. at that duplicate and it's going to have nothing to do with what you want to know. So much so.
1: Yeah. But on Reddit, on Reddit, You'll oh, probably geez. get the answer, but but you'll you'll cry yourself to sleep that night, right? So,
2: yeah. you know maybe it's useful. I don't know. Yeah, the top comment's gonna be like so snarky, and the second one's gonna be like lyrics to a song, and the third one's gonna be lyrics to the next line of the song, and the fourth one's gonna be boomer the next line ah. of the song, and yeah, someone's <laughs> gonna call you boomer. <laughs> get ready for it? Uh, <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, right. Yeah. So my turn yeah i think so so i have got the tip of the week this is this is the winner sorry alan you did great this is the winner uh big thanks to lars uh the bicycle metallica bicycle no you're gonna like this guy so uh lars is his name already you're a fan uh huge fan bicycle repair man is his name in slack awesome yeah i know that's okay we'll have to we'll
0: have to yeah we'll have to compare uh (laughs) bicycle repairman notes (laughs) Yep.
2: Ooh. So here is, uh, here is, uh, what he shared with me. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I'm just going to tell you how to do it and then I'll tell you what it does. Go to file preferences, keyboard shortcuts in VS code and search for workbench.action.terminal.run selected text and uh, enter a keyboard shortcut for it. I'm trying shift enter now. I'm still evaluating that. But what this lets you do is run the selected line in your terminal in VS Code. So you know how like if you open up a like a file unit test, sometimes they'll give you a little play button and you can hit play. If you have an HTTP file, you can hit a little play and send a request. Well, imagine you have a shell script, right? Have you ever in your life had a shell script and you copied the first line down to the terminal and ran it? And then when that worked, you went and copied the second one and ran it. And sometimes you go back to the first one and you change it whatever. Why are you doing all that copy and pasting? VS Code has support for this natively. It just doesn't have a shortcut for it.
0: It's the craziest thing. I don't this is amazing. Just make a shortcut for it. Just give me a play button. That's pretty amazing.
2: Oh, honestly. yeah, I mean, the play button's fine too, but this works. Um, so this is like I tried it in a PowerShell file. I tried it in a Bash file. It doesn't care. Like I, it just whatever line you have there, it's going to put in your terminal and run it. You just So for me, I'm hitting Shift-Enter. So while I'm working on a shell script, dot, down, down, Shift-Enter just ran it
0: so is shift enter the default key binding once you enable this thing
2: no there is no default key binding i just that's the one i tried okay yep
1: i
0: think yours
1: yours
2: beats mine it's it's, it's pretty good in practice like i've art like i set it up today and i've used it like a hundred times since it's great man that's awesome
0: huh okay well uh yeah i guess i'm gonna have to like do it all that way then instead of copy and pasting All right. Well, how about before I give you – I'm going to close it out with one last one, one last joke and say, like, why did the human put his money in the freezer? Got to be something about a person. <laughs> because the human wanted cold, hard cash. Oh, nice. Okay. That's, pretty right. okay. so, That's pretty good. So uh, here's my tip of the week. So have you ever found yourself in a situation where, like – you know, for whatever your reason, whatever you're working on, you just want to know like, hey, I've made like a bunch of changes and I just want to know what are the, f- give me a listing of all the files that I've changed since I started this branch. Right. So if you, you know, and, and you could figure out like, hey, where did I start from? So Alan gave a previous tip in episode uh, 182 about how you could, uh, Use the dash T or dash dash track on your git checkout command to like, uh, to have it track the branch. And you could like see, uh, with a git branch list, like what, um, what your branch started from originated from. But if you know, once you know what that commit shaw is, that commit ID is, then you can do a git diff dash dash name dash only that commit id space and then the word head assuming that you want like wherever you currently are in your in your current branch and that will give you just a listing of the names of the files that you've changed since that previous commit That's pretty all awesome. Cool. I could have used that several times. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh yeah, with that, subscribe to us if you, if you haven't already, you know, like maybe somebody just said, uh, hey, here's a random link. You should listen to all the mean things Alan is saying to Michael. It's awesome. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and uh yeah so subscribe to us on itunes spotify stitcher wherever you like to find your podcasts and uh, if you haven't already left us a review yeah we I mean, can find some links at uh, www.codingbox.net slash review i gotta make it weird i don't know because <laughs> that's way you said it that's the way you did it like i just find you Oh, uh, well, you
1: got make it weird! Hey, while you're up there, at Codyblocks.net. Check out our show notes, examples, discussions, and more. And send your feedback, questions, and rants to our Slack channel at Codyblocks.net/slash-slack.
2: Yeah, and follow us on Twitter at Codyblocks, or you can go to Codyblocks.net. Find all our social links at the top of the page. You sure you don't want to mention
0: like the email? Like I know Jay Z, you like the emails. I love, email. I love email, right? I checked it today. Oh, well, there you go. That's yeah, a first. That's good. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool.